All right, so we're learning, we're going to be learning a mimer by the Rebbe from 19, Stav Shin Lamad Gimel. It says in the paper that we're going to get what the English year was, 1983 maybe, I'll, ch- I'll check once we get it in front of us. No, La- uh, Lamad? Oh. No, no. Um, no, it's from the later years. After the Rebbe's brother-in-law, the Rashag, passed away, um, a year later the Rebbe had them quickly prepare, told them to take one of their, the Maimarim and to prepare it. And the idea of preparing a Maimar was that you, most of the Maimarim we have of the Rebbe are, trans, are like written down by people who are called Chayzrim, who would review. Um, and then we have some Maimarim which are called Mugga Maimarim. Mugga means edited. That they were then presented to the Rebbe and the Rebbe edited them in a way of approving it for publication, going over the notes that had been taken by the Chayzrim, putting, taking out things, adding things, editing things. And so it's called, a, we have Mugga Maimarim and non-Mugga Maimarim and also Sichas. We have Mugga Sichas and non-Mugga Sichas. It just means, was it edited by the Rebbe or not? Or is it like, not necessarily a free translation, but a, but a <coughs> tran- transcription, is that what we would call it? When someone is writing while the Rebbe was talking? Yeah. <coughs> so on Shabbos, we know that the, the Chayzrim would have to remember everything for after Shabbos. So there was a group of Chayzrim, and that was their job, to remember everything that the Rebbe said. Then they would sit together. Rabbi Al Khan was the one who was in charge. He had a crazy memory. Um, Yossi, Rabbi Yossi Jacobson, when he was very young, he was one of the Chayzrim. I think he was 12 or 13. He was also one of the, he would sit and, and memorize, and then they would all meet together, and it was like a whole, f- uh, everyone arguing with each other. What did the Rebbe say? What did the Rebbe not say? To get the most accurate picture and write it down. Um, so we have a Mugamimer. It's more, I guess we can call it official. So this is a Mugamimer. It was edited actually to be distributed in honor of the yard site of the Rebbe's brother-in-law a couple of years later. Um, and it is on a verse that is one of the 12 Pesukim. We have 12 Pesukim that the Rebbe chose and said that these are like the foundational verses from all different parts of Tyra, including from Tanya, not just from uh, the written Tyra, that are the foundation of Yiddishkeit. And one of them is, Kol Yisrael yesh lahem chelek le'olam haba, shenemar v'amech tzadikim le'olam yeshu aretz, neitzer mata'ai ma'asayadai lehispa'er. That every single Jew has a portion in the world to come because all of the Jews are tzaddikim and they will all inherit a portion of the land. And we, the, this mimer was said in the honor of the occasion of starting Pirkei Avos again. We start reading Pirkei Avos from, someone help me here, Pesach? Mm-hmm. Pesach. And so most people do from Pesach until Shavuos and then Chabad does forever, basically, like till Rosh Hashanah. Right, we just do it again. So... So we open up every time we sit down to on, uh, on Shabbos afternoon, when it's customary to read the Pirkei Avos, um, we start off with this verse, which is from the Gemara, that every single Jew has a portion in the world to come. So the Rebbe had said this mimer on the opening verse that we read for Pirkei Avos in honor of the time when they were starting to start Pirkei Avos. So it doesn't have much to do with like where we're holding exactly right now um, because we have two others we have opportunity to kind of squeeze some different things inside as well <laughs> and it's going to be exploring the difference 
between Mashiach times, which we, we'll call in the Mimer Olam Hatchia, the world of resurrection, when everybody will be resurrected, because Mashiach has stages. Have you guys learned about Mashiach at all, like the different stages of Mashiach? No. Different opinions, no? I did, when was it, like two years ago, we did a week of just like learning about Mashiach. Um, there's, you could spend 10 years learning about Mashiach. Like I've, I'm actually really not a, what we call a, a maven in it. But there are, there, there's a lot, a lot of different opinions when it comes to Mashiach. That's the first thing. So when, if you're just like, we're learning about Mashiach, it's like, okay, according to who? Um, but the Rambam lays out different time periods of Mashiach. It's not going to just all, like the moment the shofar blows and we know Mashiach is coming, that's it. The Beis HaMikdash is built. Mashiach is here. All the Jews are back in Israel. Everyone's resurrected from the dead. Um, you know, the, all of the nations are subjugated uh, to us and, you know, see God. Like, it's not going to be an instant thing that, that happens. It happens in stages. Um, and one of the final stages is that of Tchis Mason, when the, res- the resurrection of the dead, which, it, which ushers in this era of, of this lifetime of Mashiach. So we're going to be discussing the difference between this era of Mashiach, Tresamesim, and Gan Eden, which is the, we also call the world to come, Olam Haba, right? The, the verse from the Gemara says, Kol Yisrael Yeshlem Chelek Olam Haba. Every single Jew has a portion in Olam Haba. Olam Haba is used for two things interchangeably in, in the Torah. One is Gan Eden, Olam Haba, the world to come. When a soul departs this world, it goes into the next world, which we call Gan Eden. There are different levels of Gan Eden. Another interpretation of Olam Haba, the world to come, is literally like the lifetime to come, the time of Mashiach. So we're going to be specifically discussing the difference between those two things and addressing the question, which is, why does every single Jew get a place in Olam Haba? Have you guys heard, are you familiar with this idea that every Jew has a place in Olam Haba, right? And v'amech kulam tzadikim, because Jewish people are all tzadikim. The interesting thing about that Gemara is that the, the Mish, it's a Mishnah, and the Mishnah opens up, Kol Yisrael Yishlem Chelek Haba, the whole verse, it's a Mishnah. Then the Gemara adds, okay, except for this type of person, and this type of person, and this type of person has like a whole list. Every Jew goes into Olam Haba except for, and then it gives like a whole list mm. of people that don't get in, um, which the Rebbe actually has like a very, I guess we can call it extreme opinion on this, um, which is that every single Jew at, at, takes it literally, like, Takes this verse one hundred percent literally. Every single Jew gets a portion in the world to come, which obviously opens up questions. If you want to like pinpoint specific Jews, how are they coming back? But but the Rebbe has a letter actually where he's answering. The, somebody asks the Rebbe, "How can you say such a thing when it says clearly in the Gemara this person is exempt and this person is exempt and this person is exempt?" The Rebbe has a whole letter where he responds there, um, saying, "Well, if the person did teshuva, then he doesn't fall into any of these categories because all of his sins turn into merits, right?" And if, what if he doesn't do teshuva? Well, if he did teshuva right at the moment before he died, um, then all of his sins turn to merit, so it doesn't count. And what if he didn't, either of says, like, okay, so what if he didn't do teshuva right before he died? There are people who didn't. Um, well, then his children could do teshuva for him. What if his children don't do teshuva? Well, his grandchildren could do teshuva. What if his grandchildren don't do teshuva? The Rebbe says then, the Nasi Hadar, the leader of the generation, can... Thank you very much. That was pretty quick. Can do teshuva for him and he'll, and, and, and he'll be forgiven. So the Rebbe's approach is taking this very literally. The Gemara says, says the statement, bless you, and then does give us exceptions 
we're going to be discussing one of those exceptions inside. The style of this mimer is different, different than the style that we've been learning so far. It's, I don't know if I'd call it more technical, but it's, it's kind of just like question, it's, it's more of a like question answer logical kind of progression style. Um, obviously the Rebbe's mimer are, are very different in style than the Alter Rebbe's. The Alter Rebbe has like a very specific type of style and all of the Rabbeim actually really did have their their way of giving over Maimarim, which was, there was the, uh, the basic structure that was introduced by the Alter Rebbe, but then everyone had their own kind of stamp, you know, their own style. The Rebbe, it's, <laughs> Rebbe had like every, all different styles, depending on what. It's like, it's hard to say, okay, this is the way that the Rebbe said Maimarim. It's easy to say that about the other Rebbeim, but not necessarily about the Rebbe. But this is definitely, as we're going to see, a different style than the Torah or Maimarim that we've been learning. Have we learned any? We have learned Maimarim by the Rebbe this year. We learned Neisles uh, Noises about the about challenges. That was a Maimarim by the Rebbe. Have we learned any other ones? I don't think so. We're going to learn a Maimarim of the Rebbe on... Um, I think we did on, on Sukkot. We learned... Um, I don't know, actually. I don't know if we did. Yeah, it's very, anything like before Simchus Tyra feels like two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, everything on Hanukkah yes. feels like 10 years. Yeah, it feels, it's hard to remember. That's why I'm like, I, I really struggle before Simchus Tyra to remember if it was this year or last year because it really feels like a very long time ago and very like different life. Um, but we will also be learning a mimer of the Rebbe for Purim. One of my favorite memoirs, so I'm very excited about that. I tried, I told you guys, I tried teaching it last year after Kayla was born. The girls came over to the house because I really wanted to learn it with them. And it was really hard because she was, she was like really little. But she was like three weeks old, probably. She was born, when was she? But she was born a few weeks before Purim, so it wasn't a leap year. She was a few weeks old and I was like trying to teach the memoir anyway. So this year I'm looking forward to learning it. Um, but yeah, so you'll see it is a bit of a different, a, a bit of a different style. You'll notice. Um, okay, oh, 1973. Tafshin Amun Gimel is not 83, it's 73. So the Rebbe said this mimer on Parshas Achrei, which was Shabbos Mavarchim Iyar. During this time of year, from after Pesach until Rosh Hashanah, it's customary to learn a chapter of Pirkei Ovis each Shabbos after Mincha, and this mimer is based on the Mishnah, which we say before learning each chapter. So we'll keep this in mind when we start. Keep it in mind. The lesson of this for when we do start um, Perkei Avis, we won't be here in Mayanot on Pesach, right? There's like a break, right? Do you guys all leave for Pesach? How does it work? Or you can stay? Uh, you could stay oh, you stay. could stay, but there's no like it's official... Like break, so. Okay, cool. cool. So we'll keep, we'll keep it in mind for, the, for that time. Okay, let us start. Apologies that there are no vowels. We do, we do the best we can <laughs> with, with these... Every single Jew has a portion in the world to come. De Pirush, and it's explained. The Olam Haba that's being referred to in this Mishnah, because we said Olam Haba can mean two things, Gan Eden or Mashiach times, who Olam Here in this context, it is talking about the world of resurrection or for the sake of Clarity will call it the times of Mashiach, okay? Even though it's not, it's, it's a specific time period, but so the time of resurrection, the world of resurrection, the times of Mashiach. How do we know that this mission is speaking about the times of Mashiach? It's important because if you're making a statement, every Jew gets into this world, we need to know what world we're talking about. We need to be clear. 
is a Ganeidun or is it the times of Mashiach? So how do we know for sure that this Mishnah is talking about Olam HaTchiyah, the times of Mashiach? So Ukdemacheach Mehemshech HaMishnah. It's proven that it's talking about Olam HaTchiyah from the continuation of the very same Mishnah, which continues and says, And these are those who do not have a portion in Olam Haba. What is Olam Haba? Ha'omer ein Tchiyas HaMesim in Somebody, for example, who says that Tchiyas HaMesim does not come from the Torah. Not even necessarily someone who doesn't believe in Tchiyas HaMesim here. It's saying somebody who says that the concept of our belief in the fact that God will resurrect the dead, the dead in the future is sourced in the written Torah. Because we actually don't have a clear outright statement in the written Torah about Tchiyas HaMesim. It's alluded to. So that's a person who would say, well, it doesn't come from the Torah, would basically be um, denying the oral Torah, which are traditions that come from the written Torah, because oh, if it's not explicitly written in the written Torah, it doesn't come from there. So that's someone who, would, who we would call uh, a kaifer. And in general, that, the list of people that the Gemara brings to exclude from the future times, which as we mentioned, the Rebbe says everyone's getting in. But the Gemara excludes basically people who we call kaifrim. Kaifrim are heretics. Is that what we would call it? Yeah? Heretics. What are heretics? So, halakhli, to fall into the category of a kaifer, okay, it's very, very difficult. It's not like, oh, that person's a like, you In order to be a kaifer, in order to actually fall into this category of being excluded, according to the Gemara, from the world to come, first of all, you have to know the whole Torah. You have to know exactly what you're actually transgressing, transgressing, and then you have to openly, actively, and with malice, I guess that would be the word, and the intent uh, with negative intentions then go against it. So most people who, let's say, even deny God's existence, right? Who, that's what, so that's a heretic or doesn't keep all of the laws would not actually be called a heretic because they first have to know absolutely everything there is to know and then go against that. So an example would be, the famous example of a heretic is Elisha ben Avuya, who's called in the Gemara Acher. Acher means other. We don't even name him because he was such a heretic. He was one of the greatest sages of the time and Torah teachers of the time. He knew what was going. He knew what was flying. And then he, there's different opinions what happened, but he snapped, basically. He became, he didn't go crazy, but he, he left everything behind. He became a heretic. He actively, on purpose, transgressed the laws very knowingly. He had a student, Rebbe Yehuda. I don't remember his, Rebbe Yehuda, who used to continue to learn Tyra from him, even after he switched over because he was, Rebbe Yehuda was so holy, he was able to take the good and leave the bad behind. And there's a story that they were once walking on, either it was Shabbos or on Yom Kippur, and Elisha was on his horse, and his student was walking next to him. And then suddenly Elisha stopped his student and said, oh, you can't pass here, it's past Chum Shabbos. It's the past the area that you can walk. He knew every single detail and law and he was very much on purpose um, transgressing it. Another example would be Menashe. Have you guys heard of King Menashe? King Menashe was, I think, the longest reigning Jewish king, if not one of the longest reigning Jewish kings. He was the son of Chizkiyahu HaMelech, who was one of the most righteous of the Jewish kings. He was the grandson of Yeshaya Hanavi, because Chizkiyahu um, <coughs> once got very, very, very ill. He was dying, and so he was the king. And then the prophet, Yeshaya, came to him and told him, the reason that you're dying is because you're not having children. 
you haven't gotten married on purpose and you and you're not having children and you have an obligation to have children he said yes but i know with my ruach kodesh that my children are going to come out bad so I don't want to have children. And Yishai said, that's not your business. You can't meddle in God's business. You have an obligation. And he said, so I'm going to, I'm going to give you my daughter. So he, Yishayel married off his daughter to King Chizkiel. And they had two children, both of who were very, very, very bad. Manasha was the oldest, so we know more about him. Um, he ended up having his grandfather executed. Uh, Yishayel was killed by his grandson. Um, he put a whole fake court up. And the things that are detailed that Manasha did are absolutely horrific. But the, there are many people who did horrific things, many Jews who did horrific things. And the big difference here would be that Manasha knew exactly what God wanted and he knew exactly what to do to like push, to so to speak, push Hashem's buttons. Because he knew the whole, he knew everything. He would sit in the Beis HaMikdash and he would make fun of certain verses from the Torah. Like this verse makes no sense. Like what is it? Like just poke fun at things that you could only poke fun of if you actually knew what you were saying. So just a general rule that when we hear the term kaifer, heretic, okay, some extreme Jews will like to throw that word around just because it's a catchy, it's, it's you know, it's, it's a power punch. But we, we actually don't really know any heretics. Um, it's probably as hard to find a heretic today as it is to find a tzaddik. Because you have to really, 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 really know what you're doing in order to become a heretic. But a heretic, according to the Gemara, is somebody who would be excluded from Tresemesim, from Olam Haba. And the first example of this heretic is somebody who denies that Tresemesim is from the Torah. And we, you, we see that because the continuation of the verse starts off with, this person is... is excluded from this list that actually teaches us that Olam Haba is talking about Tchiyasamesim. The reason for that is, is because the fact that he denied Tchiyasamesim, what we call Mida Keneged Mida. Have you heard this term before? Mida Keneged Mida. Measure for measure, like equal, you know, an eye for an eye, I guess we can call it, but not literally. Um, he denied the existence of Tchiyasamesim. He denied Tchiyasamesim. Therefore, he does not get to partake in Tchiyasamesim. So we learn from the fact that this person is excluded that Olam Haba in this context specifically is talking about Tchiyas HaMesim. Because again, there are different places in Torah which use the term Olam Haba, specifically talking about Gan Eden, the world of souls, which we'll discuss. But here we're talking about the world of bodies in the future times. And we learn that from the fact that the continuation of the verse excludes someone who denies Tchiyas HaMesim as Mida Keneged Mida, a punishment measure for measure. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay. So, Shahatam al the reason that this person is excluded, who is, as is explained in the Gemara, who kafar he denied therefore he will not have a portion in measure for measure. And we learn from this, therefore, that Olam Haba in this context is talking about the future times, and that we learn from this, that every single Jew has a portion in Trias HaMesim and in the world to come in the Mashiach times. So every single Jew has a portion in the resurrection of the dead in Mashiach times. However, about Gan Eden... It's written, so we're not going to refer, refer to Gan Eden here as Olam Haba, even though in other places it is referred to as Olam Haba. We'll refer to it as Gan Eden. What does it say about Gan Eden in chapter 24 of Tehillim, which we read yesterday? We read, Mi Bahar Havaya. 
who will be able to ascend the mountain of God? The mountain of God is referring to Gan Eden. Who gets to ascend to the mountain of God? Naki Kapayim, somebody who has clean hands, Ubar Levav, and a clear heart, which the Mepharshim um, explained means that his insides and outsides match up. Sheyeshnam Kama Tnaim from here we learn that there are many conditions in order to ascend to Gan Eden. Not everyone just automatically gets into Gan Eden. You have to have done certain things down here, passed certain levels, whatever that is, in order to get in. And then depending on what you did, that's depending on what level you end up reaching in Gan Eden when you get there. Even to the Gan Eden of the lower Gan Eden. There's the lower Gan Eden and there's the higher Gan Eden. Depends which world. There are spiritual worlds, which world the Gan Eden is in. Lower souls go to the lower Gan Eden. And even the lower souls who go to the lower Gan Eden, there are conditions. Not everyone just gets to go into Gan Eden. Masha'enken, which is not the case, in reference to the world of the resurrection, which we learn that every single Jew has a portion in the world to come. So based on this, the Rebbe has a bunch of questions. Some are mostly are, which, of which are, are pretty obvious. So, so far we've learned there's Gan Eden, there's Olam Haba. These are two types of rewards that Jewish people get, right? Although also non-Jews will be resurrected. They do have conditions though. So... Um, what we call a, a righteous Gentile. How do we say that in Hebrew? Now I'm forgetting. Noahide. Not Noahide. Um, there's, a, there's a term for like a righteous Gentile. Like I think the translation into back into Hebrew of righteous Gentile. Goitzedek maybe? No. Okay, I'm forgetting what it is. But yeah, basically somebody who followed the Noahide laws, who, who, who was a good person, okay? Um, as a non-Jew, will also be resurrected, according to most opinions. But, but people who weren't Jewish, who did not behave correctly, will not be resurrected. However, when it comes to the Jewish people, it's just like, you're Jewish, you're coming, you're in, okay? And so we're trying to understand why does everyone get to go into Olam Haba, but not everyone gets to go into Gan Eden. And here we're speaking again, specifically um, Jewish people, okay? And that's really what the Mimer is going to be exploring and exploring at the depth of it, what is unique about Olam Hatriya and about Mashiach times that allows for every single Jew to be able to partake in it? So we need to understand. The revelations of God, which will be present in the world to come in Mashiach times, is much greater than the then the revelations which are experienced in Gan Eden, also from the revelations which are experienced in the higher levels of Gan Eden, and they're higher even than the highest levels that are experienced in Gan Eden. I want you guys for a think, to think for a second. Why would that be so? How do we know that? How can we see that clearly? That the even the highest level of Gan Eden does not match up with the future revelation that we're going to have in the times of Mashiach with the resurrection of the dead. What could possibly prove that to us? Is that resurrection like a resurrection into the same soul, same body, or is that resurrection into like a reincarnation of a different soul? So 
we do have reincarnations of souls, but the moment that there's one soul that goes into a body, it's, it splits off. And so every single soul is going to be returning to their body. So we're not going to have like group, like souls going back into their like original source and coming back as one person. Where every single soul that's existed separately in a body is going to come back into that body. What stage of body? That already gets into the question from when they're young, when they're old, when, when they, like that already gets the question. But, but, but yes, even though we have what we would call general souls that then split up or that then get reincarnated, Every soul, once it's split, remains split in terms of returning to that body. The unity of the truth of all souls will be revealed then, that we're all connected, and that we all originate from one soul. But every soul will exist individually in, that, in their body. Yeah, that's according to the most um, common opinions. Maybe something is like a really big guess, but like Hava, like with like Itadas, like Gani, then maybe like... Something then wasn't even as great as Mashiach, or I don't know. Okay, what though? <laughs> yeah, it's true. What, how, how do we know that Mashiach is going to be greater than Gan Eden? There's, I mean, there's lots of answers to this question. Well, Gan Eden is exclusive. <laughs> and in Mashiach's time, everyone is going to marry. Like, meaning more people are going to be married to see this. And more people are going to be married to so the Rebbe actually asks a question the exact opposite of what you're saying. Oh. If Gan Eden is exclusive, you would think that would be a higher revelation, which is kept exclusive right. for higher specific souls. But we're actually starting off on the premise that Olam Haba is higher, even though it's not exclusive, which we're going to address soon. But how do we know that Mashiach is going to be higher? So before getting into the, just the Rebbe brings like a practical explanation and proof, Let's start off with the fact that, as you mentioned, Adam and Chava started off in Gan Eden, right? We started off in Gan Eden, then we had all of the events that happened afterwards. We ended up over and here. We have to work harder to get mission. Like, for them, they were just created in Gan Eden. Like, that was their life. Right. Like, their revelation, they don't know anything but that. Yeah. We don't know any revelation. Right. You know? We're, we're definitely earned something maybe greater yeah. than what they had earned. Yeah, we're also yes. Yeah. Doing tikkun on the world and elevate, like bringing godliness down, so it has to be higher. Why does it have to be higher, though? Because if if we're, our purpose is to bring godliness down here, that means that there was less godliness before than there was after. Right, right. So many people ask the question. Chassidus asked the question so many times. Why did the neshama have to come down into this world? The neshama was doing just fine. The neshama was in Gan Eden before it came down. Yeah, but it didn't want to come down. And it doesn't even want to come down, right? Until it has to get, make a promise and, you know. So typically, without learning chassidus, the answer is so that you can go back to Gan Eden. <laughs> you do the work here and then you go back to Gan Eden. Maybe you get a little bit of a higher level of Gan Eden because you worked hard here. Chassidus argues with this idea by saying, but then what's the point in coming down here? Just stay there. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the point in Adam and Chava being kicked out of the garden and all of this, what, just to get back to Gan Eden where they were? say the opposite or maybe they ask that question yes chassidus is arguing with this yeah chassidus is saying no but i'm saying like you would think chassidus would be like obviously you have to come down to this world to do like i feel like of all things i've learned chassidus is very much like make this world a place for god and then go back to that but then the question becomes okay make this world a place for god then go back there Okay, but you're ending up in the same place that you started, mm-hmm. right? But are you? 
But are you? Well, that's the question. According to many thoughts of Judaism, this world is what we call a hallway. Have you heard this concept? That this world is a misdaron, it's a hallway that we're passing through to open the door to get to the next world. To get back where we started. We started off in Gan Eden. Um, Chassidus doesn't see the world that way and doesn't explain our purpose down here that way because so says, there's no way that Hashem would have started us off somewhere just to get back exactly where we started off. Why Hashem's just like playing games with us? <laughs> like Hashem just enjoying seeing us kind of run around in circles in this world just to start off in the same place. And also that Taking this a step, I'm, 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 I'm taking this out of the context of the mimer for a minute, but taking this just a step back even. Usually when we look at the order of worlds and the spheres and where we are compared to where other spiritual beings are, right? You could think Atsilis is the highest level, right? Which that's what we're told, like Atsilis is the highest world and there's lower and lower and lower worlds. And so then, wait, but then shouldn't Hashem just have stopped with Atsilis? Like, if that's the highest we're going to get, then, like, why do all of this? Just stop there. Hashem limited himself, created all of these worlds just so that, what? So Chassidus argues that, no, actually, all of the higher worlds, including Gan Eden, including the places where our soul started, are there only to facilitate us being down here in this world. Because, and this isn't, this isn't going to be a Chiddush for most of you because we've been learning Chassidus, but this is a Chiddush. Because this is the purpose. This world is the purpose. And Gan Eden is just there to facilitate this world. And all of the higher worlds and the angels are just there to facilitate us being human beings in this world specifically. This world is high. Like we, <clears throat> we discussed how like all the work that you do here, you're going to miss that when you, when you go to Olam Right. So uh, like obviously this world is... Right. But also, I think, like, the people that go to Gun Eden, I feel like, for the most part, they have some type of revelation already. Like, it's not just, like, an average person that's probably going to end up going... So, know. actually, it's not so hard to get into Gun Eden. <laughs> um, <laughs> there, there, are, there are conditions. Mm-hmm. What it There's, there are conditions. But if you've learned some sort of Tyra in your lifetime, you're going to Gan Eden as a reward for the Tyra you learned down here, as we're going to discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, so you we're all going, listen, we probably need to go to Gehenna first. And we're going to talk about that in the Mimer. What's, how does sort of see Gehenna? What's the function and the role there? Because we don't... Washing machine. Um, yeah. It doesn't sound so fun to be put in a washing machine, no, though. No, but at least you're clean after. Yes. So, so we'll talk about that and the role, and the role that that plays. But, but we're, we're going into Gan Eden, but not every Jew. Like, if, if you, you know, although the truth is, there's an interesting story that the Gemara details about Elisha ben Avuya, because when he went, he, he passed away, and he went up. And he ended up, they first took him to Gan Eden straight away, such a bad man, and they were like, whoa, whoa, wait. This guy learned a lot of Torah in his life. He was like a very holy man. We can't take him. So they sent him over to Ganeda. And they're like, this guy did so many bad things. Like he can't come in here. And the worst possible punishment for a soul is to be bouncing between worlds. Because then you can't go from Ganeda into, from Gehenim into Ganeda. And we'll discuss that later on. Um, until his student, Rabbi Yehuda, like Davin for him to be able to go into Gan Eden and said that when I pass away, I guarantee I'm going to take him with me into Gehenna. Sorry, because he first needed to be accepted into Gehenna. And it says that when Rabbi Huda died, smoke started to come up from the grave of Elisha ben Avuya. 
That's what the Gemara says. And then he had another student, I think his name was Rabbi Eliezer. There was one Rabbi Hoda and Rabbi Eliezer. And I might be mixing up the order, but the other student, Rabbi Eliezer, said, okay, when I die, I'm going to schlep my teacher with me into Gan Eden. And it says that when he passed away, the smoke stopped rising from his grave. Anyway, interesting Gemara story. Um, I actually forgot why I was saying that. Oh, oh, because we're saying even he eventually got into Gan Eden. But again, there are, there are conditions. And we're going to talk about those conditions and, and the relationship and what the reward is of, of Ganadin. But the Rebbe actually brings a very, very practical, simple proof for how we know that the revelations of Olam Haba are going to be higher than those of Ganadin. Even though there's obviously this whole general just perspective of the fact that Hashem wouldn't just schlep us from one place to end up in the same place. There must be something greater and some greater purpose. Then why would we want to go to Ganadin? It's a higher... We want to go to Gan Eden until we can go to Olam Haba. You say Gan Eden is like the, on the way. So that's, that's what the Rebbe says. How do we know that Olam Haba is higher than Gan Eden? Because even the highest soul that is in the highest level of Gan Eden is going to leave that place, come down here, come back into their physical body in order to experience the revelations of the world to come. Which proves to us that the revelations of the world to come must be higher. Yes. Um, as I'm asking the questions of like why to myself i'm asking like how would they know all of this who's they i mean the re- anyone okay right? like the like, person giving like the yeah, rather giving us the yeah, minor yeah when there's concepts like this how do you if yeah. no one has done it and then come back and said i've been there and done that and uh-huh. just logically i'm just thinking yeah you know we know by faith obviously but yeah so so the Tyra told, told us all of this. Oh. We, we know all of this from the Tyra. So we have, most of what we know about Mashiach is from the prophets. Mm. When you look in the five books of the Torah, we don't see so much about Mashiach. There's like an illusion right. here and there and like very few actually. Yeah. Um, and then the prophets, we know wow. when we read the prophets, we learn a lot about Mashiach. Yeah. And then we have the poskim who actually halachically like the Rambam took this to the extreme because many people who would give halachic rulings didn't deal with things that weren't relevant for the people at the time. Mashiach isn't relevant for us right now. The Rambam is the one who went into length to detail and describe to us um, what's going to be and what the halachic ramifications are going to be. Uh, The Ramban did that as well. Later, they argue, actually, Mm -hmm. the Ramban's opinion is the one we're going according to here, which is that in Mashiach time, we're going to be souls in physical bodies. Mm -hmm. The Rambam's opinion is that in Mashiach times, we're going to be souls, not in physical bodies. So the Chassidus goes according to the Rambam's opinion here. But it's all sourced in Tyra and on and and Mepharshim. And actually, specifically, this mimer over a lot of my mimer will, will learn will be sourced, let's say, in Kabbalah, will be sourced to the Ariza, will be sourced even to the Baal Shem Tov, the Alter Rebbe. This specific mimer, the topics that we're talking about here, how do we know where a soul goes, what happens to it? Um, the Torah tells us. Yeah. The Torah tells us these things. So we're basing it off of that. Obviously, maybe one opinion over another. Mm. You can have differences of opinions. Again, the Rambam's opinion is that the souls are not going to come back down into bodies, that the time of Mashiach is going to be a soul experience. Um, but that's not the line of thinking that we're going according to here. That's yeah. If we go with that opinion that we are, with the opinion of us coming back into physical bodies, then it makes sense that it would be high, resurrection would be higher because we get to come back and continue serving God. So 
you guys, Malki said something that, because you guys have been learning Hasidus, you're saying things that are obvious, but actually that's another question that the Rebbe says, opposite to what you're saying. Wait, if it's such a high level and we're going to address it, why must it be experienced in a physical body which is limited? Mm-hmm. You've been learning Hasidus and learning about the advantage of physicality, of spirituality, yeah. but like we're looking at these from the beginning here. Let's try to make sense of this. Why would it be in a physical body? So before we get into that, first just... We're going to read inside this idea. An example, let's say, Maisha Rabbeinu. So Maisha's been uh, in Gan Eden for about 3,300 years. Right? So it's quite a long time. And every single day, a soul, and so also, depending on how high a soul was, is how high he starts off in Gan Eden. So um, most souls that end up going into Gan Eden will go into what we call Gan Eden Atachta, on the lower level, which is in the world of the spiritual Asiya, and then he'll get elevations from there. But a very high soul is going to go, you know, up into the world of Bria, for example. Very high up, very, very high up levels of revelation. So Moshe Rabbeinu, 3,300 years, starting off in a very high level of Ganadin. Three times a day, we've been told it from the Torah, a soul gets an aliyah three times a day in Ganadin. Morning, afternoon, and evening. And then we also know that on the yard side of a soul, it gets an aliyah as well. So Maish Rabbeinu has been going up and up and up and up for 3,000 years, three times a day. He's very high up there, right? He's on the very high levels. Moshe Rabbeinu is going to leave whatever level he finds himself on when Mashiach comes, whatever levels of revelations he's experiencing, his soul will leave that place, descend into his physical body and come back down here. And that is the proof that the revelations of this world, the, this of, the, of the times of the future redemption, are going to be higher than that of Gan Eden. Because why would you schlep somebody out of his place to have a descent? Like, just keep him there. The fact that every soul, no matter how high of a level he is, he finds himself in Gan Eden, will be schlepped from that place and put into a body in order to experience the revelations of the world to come, proves to us that the revelations of the world to come must be higher. We got that logic? Like that line of thinking? Okay. So... The fact that Olamatria is greater than Ganadin is also obvious from the fact that souls from even the greatest level of Ganadin will be included in Trias Amesim. So this is a parenthesis, this idea that I just said. Let's read it inside and we'll finish with um, we'll finish with this, and then we're gonna go and address the things that you guys brought up. Why is it gonna specifically be in a physical body? What is the reward of Ganadin? What are we getting rewarded for versus Olam Haba, etc.? So Okamuvan, page five. And we know it's clear, also from the fact, the trias ha mesim atzma, of the fact of the resurrection of the dead. The yakuma le tria kol yisrael, that every single Jew will be resurrected into their physical body. Gam ha neshamas shenim tsayim began eden, kama alafim shana, even those souls which have been in gan eden for thousands of years. The gimel pa'amim bakol yom, and three times every day, himit alim le darganal is yaser, they rise up to an even higher level. The Afalpichen, nevertheless, La Asid Lavai, in the future, Yislapshu Bagufim. These souls will come down and become enclosed in bodies. Kihagiloi da Oilam Hatriya, because the revelation of the world of the resurrection, Hunale Harba Yaiser is a lot higher Mehagiloi de Gan Eden from the revelations of Gan Eden, Gam Midarga Hachi Naalista Gan Eden, even from the levels of the highest levels of Gan Eden. Which will leave us with this next question, Vi'afapichen, nevertheless, Bechdeilizachot lahagiloi de Ganeden, in order to merit the revelations of Ganeden, Sarech liyoiz kamatinoim, 
there are quite a few conditions. But in order to merit the revelation of the world of resurrection, will be for every Jew. That is very counterintuitive. We should be walking away from what we said so far. Olam HaTchia is for sure higher than the highest levels of Gan Eden. Therefore, to get into Olam HaTchia, you have to earn it. And in order to get into Gan Eden, everyone gets in. That would be the logical approach. But what do we say? Every single Jew has a portion in the world to come, but only certain Jews. And again, it's not that exclusive, but there are conditions to getting into Gan Eden. That leaves us with a question. And that's a question that we're going to start to address from tomorrow. Why is that? Why is that that every Jew actually gets to merit the highest revelations? And not the same thing with Ghanedin. Clear so far? Yeah? Okay, so you see it's a different, it's a bit of a different style. Um, I guess we can call it, but it's also good, it's good to, to shake things up. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.